Let's pray. Lord, teach us to live like saints. In Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps my favorite part of the liturgy is during communion when I get to say, therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. And that's where you jump in with holy, holy, holy. Our Savior said more saints leave us for heaven this year than in any of the other 30 years that I've been here, which is why this versicle has even more meaning. I stop and I picture their faces and their voices added to that company of heaven. And I look forward to the day when we're together again and my face and my voice gets added to the company of heaven and together we glorify God. When someone you love dies, there are few, if any, words that make you feel better. And the only ones, by the way, that I've found that even come close are these. I love you. And you are loved. Don't ever forget that. And even sometimes those are hard to hear. I want you to listen to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in case you don't know who he is. He was a pastor in Germany and he refused to bow down and worship Hitler and remain steadfast in his worship of Jesus. And just a few days before World War II ended, he was murdered by the Nazis as an act of revenge. Some of his writings are just amazing, but, but listen to these words. There is nothing that can replace the absence of someone dear to us and one should not even attempt to do so. One must simply hold out and endure it. At first that sounds very hard, but at the same time it is also a great comfort. For to the extent the emptiness truly remains unfilled, one remains connected to the other person through it. It is wrong to say that God fills the emptiness. God in no way fills it, but much more leaves it precisely unfilled, and thus helps us preserve, even in pain, the authentic relationship. Furthermore, the more beautiful and full the remembrances, the more difficult the separation. But gratitude transforms the torment of memory into silent joy. One bears what was lovely in the past not as a thorn, but as a precious gift of a rose deep within, a hidden treasure of which one can always be certain. Take a moment to think of the people that you've lost, whether it was this year or in the last few years, or maybe even a long time ago. I know it's dangerous. You may get lost in the memory and barely make it back in time for the benediction. But it's okay. It's okay. Think of what they taught you, shared with you. Think of the person that you are, or that you are becoming, because they were part of your life. Think about how they changed, not just your world, but the world. As we sing today, we sing with prophets like Daniel who dreamed dreams and saw visions and played with lions during times when chaos reigned and the church was bound tightly by the kings. But God used Daniel to drench the world in hope. There are other saints who, by the way, dreamed dreams and saw visions. Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Oswald Hoffman, Frederick Beekner. And even though they are no longer on this earth, their dreams and their visions remain. We also sing with those who stood on the mighty fortress and defended the church with the Bible in one hand and a sword in the other. Joan of Arc, St. Martin of Tours, Peter Muhlenberg, Hal Moore, they were called by God to walk a delicate line 
between life and death. These are the words of Martin Luther responding to a soldier who wrote him a letter saying, look, you know what I do for a living? Now, I'm a soldier. Is there any possible way that God might allow me to be saved? And this is what Luther wrote back. Because I know and have learned from your gracious word that none of our good works can help us and that no one is saved as a soldier but only as a Christian, therefore I will not in any way rely on my obedience and work but place myself freely at the service of your will. I believe with all my heart that only the innocent blood of your Son Jesus, my Lord Jesus Christ, redeems and saves me, which he shed for me in obedience to your holy will. This is the basis on which I stand before you, Father. In this faith I will live and die, fight and do everything else. Dear Lord God the Father, preserve and strengthen this faith in me by your Spirit. Amen. And then Luther continued, If you then want to say the creed in the Lord's Prayer, you may do so and let that be enough. In so doing, commit body and soul into God's hands. Draw your sword and fight in God's name. If there were many such soldiers in an army, do you think anyone could do anything to them? They would devour the world without lifting a sword. We sing alongside the Apostle Paul who wrote these words to the church at Ephesus and also to us. With the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which God has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? We also sing with Saints Peter and Thomas and James, Pastor Martin and Pastor Meyer, who stood in this very pulpit and told stories of the risen Christ to draw us into the hope of the grace and faith and love of God. We sing with the homeless, the hungry, the crying, the lonely, the saints among us who bear the weight of a broken world. We sing alongside the families and individuals who lost loved ones in the past months. We sing alongside the saints in the pews, even the ones who are next to us. We don't know their names or anything about them, but they are here, worshiping alongside us. We sing alongside our neighbors. We sing through tears of loss and grief. We sing through our laughter at amazing things that God has done that can't be explained any other way other than it was a beautiful, beautiful, wondrous thing of God. We sing through our confusion as we wonder how to live. We even sing through our pain. We are the saints of God. Families, individuals, strange, strangers, friends, the known and the unknown. We and the people sitting next to us, or the people in the houses around us, and those who should be here, and those who used to be here, and those who will be here, we are all deeply flawed and sinful. And yet, by the grace of God, we are also the beloved saints. 100% saint, and at the same time, 100% sinner. It drives the mathematicians crazy. St. Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself into death for me. You know, Lutherans have a different view of saints than many churches. We appreciate them, but we don't worship them or pray to them. And maybe that's because our theology is that all of us are saints. The ones in heaven, but also the ones of us who are still waiting to get to heaven. It also gives us a unique view. We don't only talk about their holiest, best moments, but we also talk about their failures, their mess-ups, their depression, their anger, their honoriness. 
I think everyone should have a favorite saint. And by the way, if you don't have one, I brought along a list today. And you can listen to these. Maybe one of them will strike a chord with you. Saint Isidore recently made the patron saint of the Internet. Yeah, the Internet's a scary place. It really does need a saint. Saint Elegius, gas station workers. Saint Hubert of Liege is the saint against rabies. And not necessarily applicable to us, us in Hawaii, but you know, some of you on the mainland may need it. Saint Friard, he's the saint of the fear of wasps. Saint Magnus, somebody who has a fear of caterpillars. Uh, saint Barbara, anything that goes boom. Um, and by the way, you should really look up Saint Barbara's story. It's absolutely just crazy. Uh, saint Germain Cousin, girls from rural areas. Saint Columbanus, motorcycles. Saint Drosinius, uh, invisible people. Um, sorry, invincible people. They're kind of the same thing because I've never seen an invincible person. So that obviously means they're invisible, which either means that he's doing a really good job or a really lousy job because there really aren't any. Saint Malo, uh, patron saint of pig farmers and, and maybe bacon too. Uh, saint Arnold, he's the saint of beer. Saint Genesius, clowns, movie actors. Uh, plumbers, and if none of those sound like anyone you're interested in, then go with St. Catherine of Alexandria, who is the saint of, and listen to this, unmarried girls, apologists, potters, spinners, archivists, dying people, educators, jurists, knife sharpeners, lawyers, librarians, mechanics, hat makers, nurses, philosophers, preachers, scholars, school children, scribes, secretaries, spinsters, stenographers, theologians, the University of Paris, and also the countries of the Philippines and Greece. Now, I'm not sure if she was really that popular or they simply got to the end of the list. She was the only saint and they just said, you know what, let's just make her the saint of everything that we don't have a saint for. One of my personal favorite saints is Saint Dimphna. She's the patron saint for those who are anxious. There are so many people who are anxious and worried today. And I think it would do them well to know that there was somebody who understood them and somebody in her day who cared about them and loved them and was there for them. And even, by the way, created a home where they could come and be loved and hear the promises of God. Here's why I think saints are important. It means we are connected by faith to the stories that go back to the very beginning of time. Stories of saints and sinners, of God's love and grace, of personal failures, and of a God who loves us so much that he wouldn't leave us in those failures. We are all trying to find community, and it turns out there have always been people who were like us, who understand what we're feeling, and God loved them. And you know, if God loved them, it might just be possible that He loves us. Ah, I think you see where I'm going with this. See, whenever somebody says, I don't need the church to worship God, it just means that they've actually never been really part of a real church, or, or they didn't bother to get to know the people in the church that they were at, learn their stories, find connections that make not only that hour or so on Sunday mornings a little bit easier, but the rest of the week as well. We start off with God in common. I mean, that's why you come to church. And by the way, there are people that come to church because they're still trying to figure the whole God thing out, but we still have God in common. We may have some differing opinions and ideas, and so sometimes, by the way, we might actually have to look at two or three different churches before we find one, not so much that, well, is, agrees with us, because that wouldn't be good. Uh, Timothy Keller said, you know, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an ideal, idealized version of yourself. 
And I'm going to add, by the way, if your church and pastor never disagree with you, you're probably just a clone of your pastor, which would be a really bad thing in this case. See, it's great when we find people who have things in common, like our theology, politics, denominational upbringing, music, and potluck tastes. But what is more important is finding somebody who has something in common and can accept and love us, even when we disagree. The Bible says iron sharpened iron, which is just its way of saying, having someone challenge you doesn't make them the enemy, nor does it make them mean. It can help you know what you believe, and more importantly, why you believe it, which is, by the way, a very, very important thing in today's world. See, it's one thing for somebody to say, this is what I believe. It's, it's another thing when they say, and let me share with you a couple of the reasons why. What ultimately connects us is none of the things we tend to look for when we're church shopping. You know, in other words, people who look like me, who do the job I do, who like my football team, who like my favorite flavor of iced tea. In heaven there will be, according to the book of Revelation, a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And by the way, that probably means there's going to be people who like Pepsi, not Coke, who drink iced tea instead of coffee. Um, who are Steelers fans, Detroit Lion fans, people who actually eat anchovy pizzas or Hawaiian pizzas, people who have never been to Hawaii, and people who have never left Hawaii. And, and think of all the other possibilities. Yeah, they're all going to be there. You see, what connects all of us is God, a God who looks past all the things that we use to divide us and brings us together into one family anyway. The great news is you're a child of God. The bad news is you don't get to choose your siblings. And the even greater news is when you get to heaven, it won't matter anymore. And so now's a good time to really kind of look around and, and, and start saying, you know what, if I'm going to spend forever in heaven with you, even though we disagree on sports teams or what the best flavor of pizza is or where we should go on vacation, it's going to be okay then. So maybe it can be okay now. We can start practicing what it means to love one another. And Jesus says that includes our enemies. As we remember those who are no longer with us, the ones that even though they drove us crazy at times, we would still love to have standing in front of us as we make our way to communion. Or give us that look because we're taking too long in the narthex. Or even make us late every single Sunday because we still and always will love them and our hearts hurt because they aren't here anymore. Our lesson from Ephesians points out to us the inheritance of the saints. God gathering us all up into his divine love and making us one body, both now and forever. And because all of God's children are both now and forever, but our memories are not, even as the names and lives of those we love are eventually forgotten, God promises that they will always be held in the light of his glory. While death and time are wrenching, painful realities to us. They mean nothing to God because there is no moment in or out of time where we are not in the presence of God. I need you to stop and just think about that for a second. You see, when our friends and family are no longer with us, we feel this horrendous separation, this chasm, this emptiness. And yet in truth, they're still with us. We're in the presence of God. They're in the presence of God. We may not be able to see them or talk to them or call them but they're still here. This is why the Old Testament is so important when it says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and a whole bunch of others. The key word I am, meaning present tense, even those people died hundreds and thousands of years ago. 
Now, God is not impervious to the pain of death or the march of time, even though he lives outside such things as sin and pain and hurt. His love for us is so great that he entered time in our space willingly to walk to a cross, by the way, that, uh, well, we built for him using our sin, our brokenness, our misspent time. His death was a reminder that there is no place in heaven or anywhere else that he won't go in order to bring us home. On Sunday, when God rose from the grave, he declared death nothing more than an annoyance for those who love him and trust him. And if we hadn't figured it out yet, he became a God of resurrection and new beginnings. See, that's why Easter is so important. We are joined in our worship, not just on Sundays, but whenever and wherever we worship Him, whether it's uh, when we're alone in the car singing to the radio, whether we're gathered with thousands in a stadium somewhere, maybe just dozens in a church, or in our kitchen or living room, or maybe out on the lanai. We are gathered together with all of the angels and the archangels and all the company of heaven. And even though we can't hear them or see them, the Bible says they're there. And by the way, we are also gathered together with all the churches on earth. Oh, we may have different start times and, you know, that time zone thing and the international dateline. You see, it doesn't matter to God. Remember, our whole life is worship, not just what we do for an hour or so on Sundays. And so, when you think about it that way, such a choir made up of all of us from all time, <laughs> that's one that shakes the heavens and sends Satan flee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you confess with me our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.